The following is a presentation of the Chicago Bears Network and ChicagoBears.com. Download the Chicago Bears official mobile app for up-to-the-minute Bears content every day. And now, welcome to Bears All Access, your all-access pass into Chicago Bears football. Bears All Access is brought to you by IGS Energy and sponsored by Athletical Physical Therapy and CDW. Hey, good Thursday. Good morning. Thursday morning. Thursday. <laughs> Thursday evening, everybody. See, this has been a day today. That's for sure, Tom Thayer. Jeff Joniak with you on Bears All Access. It is brought to you by IGS Energy because uh, as soon as my feet hit the floor, there was uh, there was word of issues going on and, uh, you know, I had to adjust. So I, it's been a nonstop day. Uh, the Bears did get a practice in time, but they had a, a little bit of a disruption today with a, a COVID positive for DeAndre Carter, as it turns out, the new punt returner and wide receiver for the Bears. So uh, they had a they had a rally the troops, set them out of there, bring them back. They got a practice in today. Here's Charles Leno Jr. on the A's activities. It was about the same as it was in a training camp. I feel like we had a day like that in training camp where we all left and came back. So we already been through this. So it was like riding a bike, honestly. Yeah, there you go, Tom. There, welcome to the program. Yeah, well, training camp, you're talking about trying to develop a team in full pads and you want to have a really serious practice. At this stage of the game, the restrictions has, has loosened up. You don't have pads on. You're, you're really inserting a game plan of information that you've been installing now for four or five months. To me, Andre Tucker, it's amazing what he's had to go through this year. And for to what he's had to do to readjust his schedule to the information he had to get out there, get the information out there clearly, and then being able to, you know, you know, we see Matt Nagy on the Zoom call, and then three hours later they're having a practice when they didn't know if they were going to be able to practice. Just so that, you know, just the turmoil that every, every building has been in the NFL this year, it's, it's amazing that. I'm really impressed that it's still going on. Yeah, you know, I am too. And here we are in week 14, and everybody's making sure they, they check. I, I keep saying this. Anytime anybody asks me how I'm doing, I say I'm just checking boxes. And that and that's what they have to do. When something like this happens, the dominoes fall, and you start checking boxes. And, and your first fear, because of the three practice squad players, and now this one, you know, are they interconnected? Doesn't sound like it. And Matt Nagy today, Tommy, and how good he feels about this thing. Not spreading any further. Pretty good. I think they're doing a good job. Uh they're 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 following the rules and and it's just uh you know again when you leave this bubble what are you doing and but we our guys they've they've answered all the questions they've done things as best as they can and um you know now it's just about handling it yeah that that is good news now the real good news it's thursday it's an important practice day this is situational day it's third down thursday all those things that are normal in the national football league so i am glad they got they got some work done today on the field Oh, me too. I, I'm really glad they're on their feet forever, however long it was, because you need to put these plays in motion. Yeah, you're not going 100%, but you're being able to make eye contact with everybody once the huddle breaks, but you're also being able to engage inside the huddle. Make sure you get the plays out. Make sure you understand what you're calling. Make sure everybody understands their assignments. And then come Sunday, you got to try to put it all together. All right. The injury report uh, has Khalil Mack still out today with a shoulder, so you think about it, what he's gone through this year already with a, with a knee, back, and shoulder. It's a, a lot of bumps and bruises for the guy that gets nicked, hit, and uh, bounced around probably more than anybody on that defense. 
Right, but, uh, you know, I kind of wish that Khalil's attitude was contagious because when I look out on the field and I see players and I see the seriousness of Khalil, his approach to the game, you know, he's he's not a jack-around type of guy on the field, that it, the game is really important to him. And he's a highly profiled guy, and people have high expectations for him. But, um, you know, Khalil is the type of guy that's in such great shape that if he had to sit out a day or two or even three and still play on Sunday, he could. Also out today with a concussion still is Buster Screen, who's been a big target of late in terms of being the focal point of some uh, some offenses because of the way they run things. And, you know, he's an important piece to that puzzle in the nickel spot there for the Bears defense. Uh, also, a did not practice today for James Vauders and Darnell Mooney out for personal reasons. Limited for J.P. Holtz, Charles Leno Jr., Allen Robinson, and a return to full practice today for Alex Bars. Uh, Tom, coming up in the show, we got Seth Payne. He is part of the pregame crew for the Houston Texans Radio Network and a former player in the National Football League. We'll get a, a bird's-eye view of the Texans and where they're at at 4-8 and eight and what's headed uh, here to Chicago on Sunday. We're also going to be joined by our broadcast mate and your good friend and teammate, Jay Hilgenberg, at the bottom of the hour. Talk a little football on the offensive line, which was a topic today as well. Charles Leno Jr. was asked about all that, and he said the communication right now with these guys is, is very good up front, and he, he pointed to the, the smarts of the group that are have been added to the mix, and Sam Mustafer and Alex Bars and Cody Whitehair being that way as well. Yeah, well, I, you know, I think it's a, gr- a great opportunity uh, to us to talk to Jay because there's nobody that has more in common with Sam Mustafer than Jay Hilgenberg. You talk about two undrafted free agents that, you know, developed high expectations during the course uh, or the early portions of their career. And then when they were inserted, the coaches found out that they are a legitimate candidate for their position. And we'll hear from Jimmy Graham, the Bears tight end, is the Bears Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee. And then our feature segment on this week's uh, Bears Game Day Live and in uh, Joniak's Journal on WBBM is David Montgomery. Here a chunk of that feature that's oh. going to air on Sunday at 10.30 on Fox 32 Chicago. I was White, wondering why. I have my Iowa I, State pullover right. on. I was wondering yeah. why you had the Iowa State No, that's not on. why. It's just, oh, you know, baloney. seventh in the Come country. On. Hey, just seventh in the country. Put him into the, the playoff. Move a little five bit more, ahead. Climb more, five more spots. And get ahead. Be... Get maybe past Florida. Maybe get in there. Maybe we'll play Notre Dame again in, I in hope. the national playoff. We need a victory. All right, coming up next, Seth Payne's coming up. Uh, thanks to our producer, Mike Rankin, making this all happen tonight. Jordan Treadup and Dan Brilli as well. This is Bears All Access with Tom Thayer. I'm Jeff Gioniak. We're brought to you by IGS Energy on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. And welcome back to Bears All Access. We're brought to you by IGS Energy. Choose clean energy for your home at IGS.com because every good choice adds up to a better world. Jeff Joniak, Tom Thayer getting ready for the Bears and Texans on Sunday at Soldier Field as Week 14 gets rolling. We're joined now by a member of the broadcast crew for the pregame show and a former fourth-round pick of the Jacksonville Jaguars and back in 97 and a Prominent defensive lineman Seth Payne, who played uh, seven years then with the Houston Texans, uh, a part of their expansion draft, believe it or not. Uh, you kind of forget about that with the Houston Texans, but an expansion team that uh, has uh, had some great success over the years. Seth, how you doing? Thanks for joining us tonight. What's going on, my oh, man? It's my pleasure. I just have one question to ask, and it's, and it's based on my last memories of playing in Chicago in 2004, <laughs> which I believe at the time was the coldest wind chill game ever played. Uh, in Chicago, 
Uh, is, what's the weather forecast for Sunday? Uh, I haven't even looked because, you know, we're just used to the the, the, uh, the uniqueness of it. But Tom Thayer, my, my broadcast partner and offensive lineman of note from the Super Bowl Bears of 85, is always worried about what the temperature is, whether we're going south. And he gets real nervous about hot weather, and he gets real serious about cold weather because he goes to Maui every offseason, so he's got that thin blood, Tommy. What's the well, weather you know, forecast? So, well, it's, it's so I think it's a high of 33 and and pretty sunny on Sunday, so it would be pleasant. It'd, it'd be nice because Friday and Saturday there's like 95, 97% chance of rain. So I think you, the field will be covered. The field conditions are still perfect this late in the season, and, you know, that type of temperature is not egregious. You know, yeah, now you got hey, me hey. looking into it, Seth. I'm trying to see what the, what the, what the forecast was on that uh, fateful day. Uh, you guys won the game. Oh, no, that was yeah, at Alltown. That was 2004. No, that was in Jacksonville. I, I have to look it up. But anyway. Oh, no, no, this would have been when I was with the Texans. Oh, so with was, the uh, Texans. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah, with the yeah. Texans. Okay, it was, well. It was, um, it, was, it was one of the coldest games you guys had ever played, and I just remember pulling up um, and, and just some of the kids from the South. You know, it's always the kids from the South that have never played a cold-weather game before, got off the bus, and you could see it in their eyes. <laughs> like, what are we getting into? And, and I thought of it because of Tom. For the life of me, I can't remember who the center was for the Bears that year, but I just remember talking to him during a timeout break and just asking, like, how the hell he was holding on to the ball. Because I grew up in upstate New York, and I'm no stranger to him. My hands had never been as cold as they were that day. It was crazy. Well, that had to be uh, the big, bad Olin Kruitz, right? Well, I, I, I had a feeling like Olin Kruitz was injured or something. I don't oh, know. okay. I said well, I too much. I, would, I wouldn't have been messing with Olin. I tried no. not to talk to him. <laughs> You would, that would not be recommended. That is for certain. Hey, what's what? What are we expecting from this uh, with this Houston Texans outfit? Because clearly, uh, the average fan's going to go to two places: Deshaun Watson and J.J. Watt. Now you fill in the blanks for us. Right. Okay. So that's and that's about the only places they bother going now because Will Fuller was the best receiver left on the field after the trade of DeAndre Hopkins. He got popped for PEDs. Bradley Roby was really the only viable cornerback on the team. He got popped for PEDs. Look, they're tainted supplements. That's the story. Um, and uh, beyond that, now the playmakers really are J.J. Watt and Deshaun Watson. J.J. has looked a lot more like himself the last few games. You know, he's never going to be the defensive player of the year caliber guy that he was 2012 through 2015. Um, but he's been – Looking, he's he's been breaking up a lot more passes. He's been getting heat on the passers, so he's more of a concern for the Bears' offensive line than he might have been earlier in the year. Deshaun is really probably coming off, if not his best statistical game. In some respects, it was maybe one of his more impressive games of the season because he lost Will Fuller. You guys all know that he doesn't have DeAndre Hopkins, and yet he found these guys: Chad Hanson, who got called up from the practice squad. Kiki QT, who is a slot receiver who had constantly been in Bill O'Brien's doghouse and couldn't find his way to the field. He has over 100 yards uh, receiving in that game. And Deshaun does a really nice job of spreading the ball around. And it's really a matter of, okay, just like any quarterback who can run, all right, are you, are you going to sell out on the pass rush and risk him hurting with your legs? Are you going to play coverage? Deshaun's gotten a lot smarter and looks a lot more like a, a polished professional quarterback this year. It's just that nobody else is really coming along for the ride with him. Hey, Seth, when you look at J.J. Watt, I'm an ex-offensive lineman. I've been watching this guy since he came on the scene. As an ex-defensive lineman, what's J.J.'s most impressive trait as a player? 
I think, you know, when he was younger, it was his ability to convert power to speed. You know, guys always had to account for his power, but then he'd quick swim you. Um, and then he could, he could redirect extremely fast and then accelerate even faster. So he'd get past an offensive lineman, and he could redirect and make his way to the ball. Um, and that's how he, 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 you know, frankly got away with freelancing a lot when he was younger. Now he's got to rely a lot more on savvy, and he's still the strongest guy on the field, you know, but he can't quite freelance like he used to. He gets in too much trouble if he starts trying to backdoor blocks. So he really he does a good job of getting in passing lanes. Um, I think he's, he's become much more of a bull rusher. You know, his long-arm pass rush is more of a concern than his speed is, but he still lines up on the outside. They, I don't think they really like subjecting him to a whole lot of getting banged up on the inside. So on passing downs, you're going to see him play – about 75 to 80% of his snaps on the left side of the defense, and then he'll swap over to the right side, mix it up, um, depending on, you know, if he's facing a really weak offensive lineman, which I don't think, I don't think either of your guys are, are, are necessarily weak. They're not world beaters, but they're not weak. Um, but he'll go over to the right and try to find a, a matchup if he can find it. Did, did he improve with Jadavian Clowney or – did, you, did he do anything to help J.J. Watt? You know, because when you talk about bookends, you talk about him moving from side to side nowadays. How did he compliment him or not compliment him? Well, that's, a, you know, the funny thing about Jadeveon, and I know everybody's all heard it by now, but it's, it's true that when Jadeveon was healthy, he didn't produce with sacks um, with the statistics. He's kind of a stiffer guy. He would, he would win pass rush. He would win. He would win versus the offensive lineman, but they had a really hard time breaking down and bending at the last moment, those last two steps to complete the sack. But offenses had to account for him. Um, and he also he blew up a lot of plays, you know. So if Jadavion got uh, a lot of run plays, he'd blow up. So if Jadavion got a tackle for a loss on first down, all of a sudden it's second and 15, third and 15, and, and everybody's eating. But now it's pretty much just J.J. Whitney Merciless, who's the other the outside linebacker that typically plays opposite of J.J., got a big contract extension in the offseason last year. Um, but he's, he's 30 years old, and all of a sudden this year he looks like it. So, so far, of the starters, J.J.'s the one you need to worry about. Of the backup outside linebackers, Jacob Martin is the guy you want to keep an eye on. He is very, very fast. He's actually the guy that came over in the trade for Jadeveon Clowney last year. And he's not completely polished yet. You get the feeling the Texans don't really trust him against the run. But when he gets out there on third down, he just turns on the afterburners and he can blow right by people. Seth, so last week the Bears played the Detroit Lions. And the first remark on a new head coach, Daryl Bevel, was he wanted to bring some more fun into the building. When they got rid of Bill O'Brien and announced Romeo Cornell, the, the, the next uh, head coach, what were they trying to get out of him into the building that was needed? Um, you know, it's hard to say because <laughs> there have been so many. Uh, today there was a, a big piece that came out about the Texans front office um, and, and Jack Easterby, who's the interim GM. There were a whole lot of rumors about Bill O'Brien having blow-up arguments with J.J. Watt. I think that there had been enough infighting and there was just enough stress and tension, especially because of the, all those really, you know, head-scratching moves that Bill O'Brien had made in the personnel side that when you start off winless like you did, and not just winless, but convincingly winless, uh, things, I think just things got to a fever pitch. And Bill O'Brien, 
uh, you know, frankly, had too much on his plate. It was, very few people should be both the general manager and the head coach in the NFL. And that was a mistake the Texans made. They gave a guy who already had a hot temper um, and was a little bit of a control freak more reason to be stressed out and angry and have a hot temper. And, and it just wasn't going to work out. So Romeo is, as interim coach, you know, obviously brings a different flavor. You know, he's way more laid, laid back than Bill O'Brien. But I think at least part of it is that the schedule weakened up. The Texans, the Texans have lost to pretty much all playoff. All but one of their losses have come to playoff teams. Um, all, all of their wins have come versus teams that are decidedly out of the playoffs. So I think part of it was that everything just balanced back out a little bit. They're not one of the worst teams in the league. Uh, they're certainly not one of the better teams in the league. But they had a really, really hard schedule to start the season. Seth Payne, our guest here on Bears All Access, brought to you by IGS Energy on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score top there, Jeff Joniak and Seth, part of the pregame crew down in Houston with the Texans Radio Network. Are you still hosting your own show and so forth, too? And you got, I think you got a podcast. You're a multimedia king down there. <laughs> I get bored. You know how it is. There's, uh, there's so much to talk about. You do, you do a sports show in the morning, and then there's still stuff that you got to talk about to avoid talking to real-life people. Um, so, <laughs> so, yeah, you can do all You can follow me on Twitter at Seth C. Payne. We've got um, – oh, well, Sean Pendergast, my co-host, is uh, I lived in Chicago for a long time. So he's, he's super excited that I'm talking to you, Tom. I, I never realized what a complete Chicago mainstay you were. I didn't realize you were from Chicago and went to – like you never – like for the most part, you spent most of your professional and college career and high school career in that area. So, so uh, by extension, Sean filled me all in on it this morning. He was very excited that I was talking to you guys. He's the old-time version of current Bears tight end Cole Komet, who grew up in the northwest suburbs here in Chicago and is uh, now having a good time being the tight end for the Bears offense right now. Hey, uh, about the offense of the Houston Texans real quick, just going through some of the math, the numbers that are popping, and I, on my board that I put together for the games, I, I highlight in red if you're in – in the top 10, and, and uh, I see all those passing numbers in the top 10, but the one that sticks out is yards per pass attempt. Now, is, mm-hmm. is that all because of Will Fuller, or is it because of Deshaun Watson finding anybody who can get downfield? Well, you know, obviously a little bit of that's going to be Will Fuller because he's such an extreme deep threat. But, look, Deshaun is an aggressive quarterback. He wants to push it downfield, and that was to his detriment, I think, early in his career. One thing that he's changed is that, look, he's going to extend the play. I think, I think he's developing into probably Russell Wilson would be the closest comparable. I think he, he wants to extend the play. He wants to push the, down, the ball downfield, but he's gotten smarter about it. Um, and he's quicker to check down to running backs now. I think he's more likely to get tight ends involved in the passing attack. That's where I say he's become more of a professional quarterback. That's the, the jump he's made this year. But – because of the, the speed of Will Fuller and Brandon Cooks, and yeah, uh, Will Fuller's not there uh, right now, he's been able to really do two things. One, utilize the play action to his benefit because the tech, look, look, the Texans' conventional running game, you guys are going to be astounded. Uh, like, and I know the Bears don't run the ball well. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm just promising you right now, you're going to be astounded at how bad this Texans' offensive line is at run blocking. But. Because Deshaun is a threat with his legs, they open up some deep shots downfield. And um, likewise, because he can extend the play, he finds some opportunities deep, deep downfield late in the down. Well, you know, Seth, let, I want to talk about the offensive line because when the Houston Texans came aboard and they brought in Carr as the quarterback, it seemed like they never 
surrounded him by any quality offensive lineman. I think throughout his career, he may have had third rounder was the highest draft choice. So is, you know, you guys get rid of Hopkins. And I think if you follow the NFL, you think, God, what a, what a move that was. How, how silly considering what he's done, but it's also silly how they lack the support until they brought in Laramie Tunsil of your offensive line. So what direction are they going to go? Is it, will they ever provide you with an offensive line or do they have to go out there and find a receiver? Well, I do think, as pessimistic as I am about this year's offensive line, one of the most frustrating things about it is that I think they have physical potential. You know, Laramie, Laramie Tunsil has had a good season. And now, was he worth two first-round picks? Kenny Stills was, you know, released the other day, so now it becomes it was Laramie Tunsil for two first-round picks and a second-rounder. Um, who knows? But as far as his contributions on the field, he's been pretty good. The rest of the guys, you know, they've got another first-rounder. They've got two second-rounders. Um, they've got one guy that could be replaced at right guard. But I think the four core guys they have, with the right coaching, with an offensive coordinator that really understands what he's doing, I think they have potential there. So in the immediate future, next year, the year after, as long as the Texans get the head coaching hire right, I think that that offensive line is going to be okay. It's just that they're right now they're, they're very discombobulated. There's not a whole lot of coordination and communication. Um, this Bears, these Bears pass rushers, frankly – are going to be watching the film from last week, and, and they're really going to be working on their TE and ET games because the Texans going to be had with some of that. Um, you know, Nick Martin, the center, who, who's another guy who got a big extension last year, everybody knows that he had a really bad snap that lost the game at the end of the game last, last week. The real crime was that after the bad snap, he whiffed on the run block in front of him, and Grover Stewart, the nose tackle, ended up disrupting Deshaun from recovering the football, and that really sealed the game. So it's a lot of stuff like that over and over again. Well, these are going to be two top teams uh, in the league in terms of fewest rushing attempts per game going at it here. Uh, you guys at 21.8 attempts a game and the Bears at 22. So we'll see if the weather changes and the, and the direction of the team here in the final month of the season will bring more of that. And by the way, uh, the, the investigation on your game here in Chicago is now complete because Olin Kreutz happened to be listening to the program, and it was him, and he'll want to talk to you later in an alley somewhere. It was 12 degrees and 8-degree windshield, and he said to me, he goes, it was me. Must have not been real memorable, I guess. <laughs> no, I'll tell you what. Honestly, because I remember playing. I remember the other time I played against Olin, and obviously I was always really impressed with Olin. The thing is that I don't remember much from that game at all. And uh, it, the same goes for Gary Walker. Do you guys have like one minute for you to tell us for me to tell a story? That's about all we have, though. Yeah, one okay, minute. Okay. Okay. So Gary Walker comes off to the sideline. We're all sitting on the hot bench with the planes underneath. You know, all of a sudden there's a quick change, a fumble or a turnover of some sort. So Gary grabs his helmet, throws it, throws it on his head, didn't realize that the flame had melted half of the inside pads of his helmet. But Gary goes out, very first plays an inside run, bam, Gary's out cold. And, and I would guess that Olin or one of his compatriots probably knocked me out actually at some point in that game, too. So apologize to Olin, all the respect in the world. So he was, Olin's one of those guys that after you played him, you felt like a better player the next two or three weeks. It was like playing on a slower level of the video game. <laughs> That's a fair, fair analysis indeed. Well, we appreciate the storytelling. That's why we have uh, some of you old guys uh, who played the game on this show because we love the stories. There's so many we never hear, and... Appreciate it. Good luck uh, you, on your broadcast this week, and uh, thanks for joining us, Seth. Yep. All right, guys. Have a good one.
Seth Payne, Houston <laughs> Texans radio network and a former defensive tackle. Tommy had two tackles in that game and a Texans big win over the Bears in that game. Coming up next, we'll be joined by Jay Hilgenberg, the Bears' seven-time consecutive Pro Bowl center and part of our broadcast crew. This is Bears All Access on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. This segment of Bears All Access is brought to you by Microsoft Surface and CDW. People who get it, learn more at CDW.com. Jeff Joniak, Tom Thayer, now joined by our broadcast mate on WBBM in the pregame show with Ron Gleason and Jim Schwantz. Mr. Jay Hilgenberg, thanks for uh, coming on the program. We just got done talking to Seth Payne, a part of the uh, Houston Texans radio crew and a former player for Jacksonville and the Texans, hearing about Houston and talking offensive line play. So, I uh, thought we'd get you on to talk about uh, the Bears' own offensive line play. Jay, how you doing tonight? I'm doing good. I'm doing good, Jeff. How you doing? Doing all right. Uh-huh. Doing all right. I, I enjoy hearing what, what they have to say up at Hallis Hall today about the offensive line from Bill Lazor to Matt Nagy uh, to two players on the offensive line like uh, we're hearing about uh, from Charles Leno Jr. about the play of Sam Mustafer on, on the inside. And, you know, Looking for that edge on the offensive line, I think you got two guys right now in Mustafer and Bars. This is just my opinion that they do bring some of that edge uh, with them to the, to the equation and some smarts on that offensive line. And that was recognized by by Charles today. Did you see that? Do you what you're watching, and do you feel that? Oh yeah, yeah, I definitely do. I, I've seen uh, Sam. He hustles um, a- after the the play uh, to where the the ball carriers tackled. And I've seen him pushing guys out of the way and. Alex is the same way. I, I, I like the attitude that those guys have. Sam, Sam to me, he, he's a natural center. I mean, I think um, that's uh, it's probably the only position he can play, and I, I, that's kind of a compliment I give him because there's no way I could have played guard or, or tackle in the NFL. I mean, I, was, I, I think I was like a natural center also. So um, it's been fun for me to watch Sam. He's gotten better every time out there. Uh, Alex, uh, this past week, I like how, how he's being physical. A couple times he he was probably taking too big of a uh, first step, lateral step on a uh, on a run play and got pushed back a little bit. But um, that's the, and that's the other thing that I like about Sam playing the center uh, position on those reach blocks. He's doing a nice job and he's not giving up a lot of penetration. You know, Jay, one thing about the center position of Sam Muster for playing, he throws a conventional shotgun snap. And believe it or not, I've always think that is a real plus. It's a real positive because the assurance of the speed and the height of it. And then when you talk about the other snaps like Cody used to do, the knuckleball snap, the quarterback has to watch the flight of the ball. And I don't, I don't even think the knuckleball snap was around and you played center, but no. what do you think about the evaluation of the specifics of Sam Mustafer's shotgun snap? You know, I, I haven't seen any problems with it. Uh, you know, as I said, he, he's a natural. And Cody was, uh, he had to kind of adjust and, and learn the snap, and I think that was kind of an easy way to just to flip the ball back. Um, you know, my, my, my father, he was a longtime coach, and he, he taught all of us kids in the backyard how to snap the the ball and he he always said if you know if a team loses their long snapper the easiest way to go and if you don't have anybody that's a long snapper get in there and just flip it end over end like the shotgun guys are so that's i think if you have trouble with that shotgun snap is is you go to something like that with cody but um you know the bears are lucky to have a player like cody whitehair I, i've always been a big fan of his he's, he's done a nice job at the center position went to a pro bowl at the center position and i think he has the ability to play any position position on that offensive line. 
Jay, what are you going to tell the offensive lineman if you're the center of the team about the awareness of J.J. Watt? You know, it's he's their, he's their pass rusher, so, you know, you just got to know where he's at and um, identify him, make sure you know where he's at and have the protection. And, you know, it's, Tom, it's a lot of like we did. You know, we recognized, we helped each other, we worked with each other, um, the whole five of us did, and if we had a slide call and you didn't need to, to we we check and make sure if we'd stay on that double team as long as you can until you, you have to slide out to pick up a blitzing linebacker or a, a slanting defensive end from the inside. Uh, so, you know, but J.J. Watt mainly plays on the outside. So you're going to see a little more that the guards getting out there and probably helping the tackle, keeping an eye, staying inside with his with an arm, but looking outside to where J.J. Watt is at. And you'll probably see a lot of chipping by the tight ends and running backs just to check it out. Bears great Jay Hilgenberg out of the program. This is Bears All Access brought to you by IGS Energy with Tom Thayer, Jeff Joniak. Thanks to Mike Rankin, our producer tonight here at The Score. I'll, I'll throw in my two cents because the first thing that I always see from J.J. Watt and watching it again, and he's overcome some serious injuries here over three of the last four years, so his durability has, has not been great of late, but it's the relentlessness of the guy. Right. So be prepared for the relentlessness of J.J. Watt because you look at the defensive numbers of this team, and they're not good. They are tackling better uh, of late, but they are not good. And if you just look at the math, you're thinking, wow, this is going to be a, a breeze, but that's not the case and he's not just the pass rusher. He's also an outstanding run defender, and he lines up all over the place. But So when you deal with a guy that relentless, you got to match that, don't you? Oh, no question about it. Those are the scary guys, Jeff, the guys that never stop, you know, keep moving their feet. And, and he that is J.J. Watt. He's relentless out there. Um, that's his, He's very impressive. Uh, I remember the last time he was here, though, uh, he didn't have too good of a game. I remember it was the big matchup of his teammate Gabe Karimi going against him and, and Gabe actually played a really nice job against JJ Watt but uh boy that is a you know, name that uh, a lot of folks won't even remember Gabe Karimi well, yep been a, that's that's, been that's a, a very cantankerous has... name with Jay Oh it is <laughs> <laughs> Okay maybe we should not talk about well, it or should you we know, we're, we're talking about a bunch of Wisconsin football players instead of Hawkeyes you Oh know? okay yeah well yeah, soon you'll be talking a lot about some Cyclone players in the National Football yeah. League. Where are we at in the rankings, by the way? Seventh? Seventh, yeah. What do you guys, 16th? <laughs> you're, yeah. lu- you're lucky you didn't play Iowa this year. <laughs> maybe, so. maybe you're right about that. No, uh, Jay I, Hilgenberg. I, I, your, your coach is a great coach out there at Iowa State. I just, I don't, hopefully he stays there a long Yeah, time. I know, I know, exactly. Um, is this another matchup that both of you guys are looking at that you can – Hopefully, fuel up and, and, and fuel up that run game and, and run it a lot more than just 22 attempts per game, which is the average, because it's a team giving up north of 150 a game on the ground. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I think the Bears' running attack has been better uh, with this new uh, lineup. Uh, they, they run the ball better with Mitch at quarterback. But you look at the, the rushing stats of these, these two teams, are the, the, they run the ball least than any other team in the NFL. Right. I mean, the Bears have 262 carries. The Texans have 264, and the Bears are 30 yards ahead of them. So, um, I mean, they're just not going to run the ball that much. I, it doesn't look like it, but it is, I think it's to the Bears' advantage to run the ball because the if you look at the passing attempts, 
the passing attempts uh, of the of the Bears and the Texans. The Bears have 80 more passes than the Texans, but the Texans have 600 more yards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Bears pass more than any other team in the league in percentage, 66% right, of the time. Go right. ahead, Tom. So, yeah, so the answer to your question, Jeff, is I'd like to see the Bears run more. I mean, uh, Montgomery's getting stronger. He, he's had some good uh, games here back-to-back, and that inside of that offensive line, I, I like the way they're playing. Well, you know, the the best way to keep warm on the field is run the ball well. And Seth Payne, who we were just talking about with the, the, from the Houston Texans, he was asking the temperature already. So now if you have one of these warmer teams that are coming in and the conditions aren't perfect, the best way to really challenge your opponent is run the ball effectively, keep your offense on the sideline, but try to take a stronghold of that running game and keep your offense warm, keep your offense going, and keep your offense on the field. So, you know, Jay, I think that's the mentality these offensive linemen have to come out of the locker room this week is run the ball strong and you're going to win the game. Oh, yeah, no question. I th- It seems like the weather could be a little iffy, it looks like. And I, I agree with you. If it's cold, um, get after them, get physical, you know. Also, you know, I don't know how meaningful it is, but uh, a little thing, that, I mean, the Bears could accomplish something they've never done here. They've never beaten the Texans, oddly enough. Well, yeah, four meetings, though. Yeah, you know, yeah, that is true. Yeah, that is true. So let's not let's knock down that door and end this six-game losing streak. Jay, appreciate you taking the time. I'll be looking forward to talk to you on Sunday from Soldier Field. All right, guys. Jay Hilgenberg, Bears center, seven-time consecutive Pro Bowler. Uh, great, great part of the uh, the history of the Chicago Bears. When we come back, we're going to listen in to Jimmy Graham. He is named the Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee representing the Bears. We'll also hear from David Montgomery. It's all ahead on Bears All Access on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. This segment of Bears All Access is brought to you by Athletico Physical Therapy. Visit athletico.com to request an appointment in clinic or virtually and start feeling better tomorrow. Jeff Joniak along with Tom Thayer getting you ready for Bears Texans. And uh, before we do that, everybody in the league getting their Walter Payton NFL Man of the Year nominees out. And uh, today, Tom, Jimmy Graham gets the honor. Uh, certainly very active in that regard in the community and philanthropy. Uh, his own community work uh, with his Jimmy Graham Foundation, uh, which provides life-changing and impactful experiences through the freedom of flight. We we did a feature on that, and uh, just really impressive what he's done with veterans and underprivileged youth. This is some of how he feels about it all. Complete and utter shock, and, you know, especially to be here in Chicago when it's named after Walter Payton, you know, and he is bigger than life. What he did for this community, you know, even what he did for the Chicago Bears, even bigger what he did for the NFL. He was a truly special man who had a heart that that was bigger than most. You know, obviously, when I first signed with the Bears, that was, um, you know, I mean, that was also on my mind. I knew, you know, Chicago, Chicago being the uh, third largest city in the U.S. uh, this time that we're going through, you know, I was, uh, you know, looking to help in any way that I could. So that was priority number one. Um, after sh- signing with the Chicago Bears was trying to make an impact and, you know, trying to help people who couldn't help themselves. And, and that was really my focus for my first few weeks um, being, a, being a Chicago Bear. You know, because I was, I was that child even in high school that got that helping hand that completely changed my life. So for me, that was, that, that's always and, and forever will be one of the nearest and dearest things to my heart is, is helping our youth out. 
you know, um, I understand exactly where they're coming from and how difficult those times are. And, you know, you, you always feel like, you know, why me? You know, uh, you know, I can remember those days of why me? You know, how is this happening to me? Um, you know, what makes me so different? You know, why can't life be a little easier? So I was looking to help in any way I can to, to all those kids that are just saying, why me? And uh, you'll read an article on ChicagoBears.com written by Nathan Smith, one of the Bears uh, writers uh, on that site. And uh, he talks about the story of Jimmy coming to Chicago. The first thing he wanted to do was vet the financial records of local charities and then uh, had uh, had the one that uh, he wanted to pick. And so he helped uh, ignite uh, an organization that works at uh, at-risk youth in Chicago, Tommy. You know, Jeff, there's a lot of NFL players that really have enormously big hearts. But a lot of times, because the chance for us to talk to them is immediately following a game, whether you win or you lose, and you're not discovering that part of them. But when the NFL went out there and named the Man of the Year award about Walter Payton, it kept his name alive, and it meant a lot to these young guys who came up through the ranks and were being named as a recipient of a award named after Walter Payton, considering the type of man he was. But Jimmy Graham is just a reflection of a lot of guys in the NFL, how much they care about people and how much they care about the causes that they fight for when you see the, the cause of the cleats for cause, um, you know, what they did last week. And so I, I'm, I'm happy for Jimmy Graham, but I'm happy for every guy on every team that's nominated for the Walter Payton Award. And Bears cornerback Charles Tillman, obviously the last winner, uh, represented the Bears league-wide in 2013. He's the fifth one to win that honor. Payton in 77. Uh, your old roommate from Notre Dame, Tommy, Dave Dewerson, the late Dave Dewerson in 87, Mike Singletary in 1990, and Jim Flanagan back in 2000. That's amazing, you know, because you hear those names and, you know, Jim Flanagan, you know, we haven't heard anything from him for years and we, on the unfortunate happening of Dave Duerson and everybody has, you know, knows the credibility of guys like Mike Singletary, but every one of those names you mentioned were special men within their community during the time they played and long after. All right, one of those guys that uh, will no doubt one day get the same nomination is David Montgomery. He is uh, a guy committed to community as well. Uh, he came from humble beginnings from Cincinnati to star at Iowa State and become an NFL draft pick. He'll be our feature on Bears Game Day Live Sunday morning at 1030 uh, from Soldier Field in our player profile feature. Here's a snippet of what you might hear. Hey, you and I, we come from the same cloth a little bit. <laughs> oh. Iowa State Cyclones, baby. Yeah, those boys are rolling right now. When you got there, you were a big part of a big culture change. A lot of the credit goes to you as well. That was from Coach Campbell. But, you know, that was a three-win season your first year. What did you learn from that that you can apply even to today's situation that your own team right now is in? Yeah, just being able to, to rely on the process, like I said, just being able to when it may not look good, just continue to do the small things and um, having that belief in your mind and your heart that, you know, it'll change. So I try to apply that to my everyday lifestyle regardless of the situation, um, however it may look. How challenging has it been for you? Uh, because we know you want to be great. Rome wasn't built in a day. Um, I wouldn't say that I expected it to be um, a straight, easy path, but Miss Jen, our dietitian here, she has this, it's not really a quote, but it's a depiction of two graphs and there's two lines, they're both going up. And one arrows what, it, what you think success looks like and it's just going up at a constant rate, no flutters or anything else. But then on the other graph, it says what success actually looks like and it's a line starting and then it just goes all over the place. 
and it just ends going up. It may not look the way you want it to be in the moment, and it may not feel the way you want it to in the moment, but it doesn't define you until the story is written or is done. So for me, I just want to be sure that I continue to just, like I said, instill all my faith in the God and let her know that I'm still behind him, and I always will be. But I'm also going to keep working hard, doing the small things, trusting the process and being able to let my teammates know that we're going through this together, but we can get through it together as well. I read a, a story that was written about you, I think back from Cincinnati, uh, when you were uh, about to get drafted or whatnot. But the, the, the writer said uh, his running style, referring to David Montgomery, his running style is akin to his life path. No matter how many times you hit him, no matter how impossible his escape appears, he finds a way out. Did that man capture what you were all about? Yeah, um, that's the, the equivalence of my life, even in the midst of the moment right now. It, it, it goes back to me saying it will never look the way you want it to be or will never feel the way you want it to, but if you keep fighting and you keep giving all your faith to God, it'll work out. It sounds like you love fishing. <laughs> Tell me about your love of fishing, and have you, have you headed out to Lake Michigan at all? I haven't been to Lake Michigan, but I haven't went to fish. I just was on a boat hanging out. But um, fishing, I love fishing, but really my favorite thing to do is cook. Uh, that's my top cook, tier. Huh? Yeah, that's my top tier thing to go to. Um, when I have a little bit of time, I just put on some, some uh, old school music, and I just kind of just let the cooking do cooking. What's the old school music? I listen to my Michael Jackson here and there. I'm big on Luther Vandross. I love some Luther. I listen to TLC, you know, all of the mainstream, big uh, old school people back in the day, but some Sam Cooke. Whatever I can do to kind of slow down the mojo so I can just kind of let life slow down because it moves so fast. You don't really realize how fast it moves until it's, <laughs> it's done, just like football. I've been playing football for a while, but golly, has it flown. He's being able to just a lot, let life slow down a little bit and just be able to love it for, for, for a small amount of time that you get. You know, one of the things that I love about doing these interviews is that you really find out a heck of a lot more about the guy. What's really cooking, you know, in the kitchen, so to speak, to steal his cooking. Uh, he gave me a whole menu, by the way, a complete meal that he, he's, <laughs> he's been making. So, you know, he's very introspective. And uh, unfortunately, we don't have these face-to-face -face moments, but even through Zoom, uh, you can find out a lot if you just ask, uh, you know, if they're willing to do it, if they're willing to talk about it. You know, I love listening to David Montgomery because he needs that type of exposure because he's such a great football player. He's a hard-nosed guy. He's, a, he's really dedicated. Then you learn a little bit more about his personality. You know, Jeff, when I started cooking, and I think this is great for mothers, my mom used to put all the ingredients in a bag and then send it home with me. When I started mm. cooking, she always knew that I had to call her a couple times while I was cooking. And all that she was doing it was trying to create conversation and so I think that's important for all the people that are, you know, we talked to Brent Urban. He's in the cooking. David Montgomery, he's in the cooking. Same way we, but it was all instigated by my mom who wanted to have conversation when we weren't together. And it was through cooking that she knew how to create it. Very interesting. Didn't know that about you. Okay, very good. We're going to take a break. Our final segment coming up, we'll look at some of Tom's key points for a Bears victory. Hey, got to get rid of this six-game slide somehow, some way. Texans in town on Sunday. This is Bears All Access. On Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score.
Hey, everybody, the Chicago Bears Network presents Inside the Bears, brought to you by Verizon. Anthony Adams and Lauren Screeden cover the world of Bears football on and off the field every Sunday night at 11.05 p.m. on Fox 32 Chicago or watch anytime at chicagobears.com or on the Bears official app. Uh, just ahead of Thursday night football, New England at 6-6, six and six, taking on the Rams at 8-4. and four. Should be an interesting battle there indeed, but we're going to focus on what the Bears have to do to beat the Houston Texans. One thing I want to bring up, now he didn't practice this week yet, uh, but... Uh, with Duke Johnson and David Johnson out of the backfield, they're, they're both excellent pass receivers and can do some damage if they both play. And I, I'm not certain that that's going to be the case. And the Bears take away the receivers. I mean, it seems like you keep springing leaks a little bit offensively on what to stop. Is that an area of concern for you in the passing game? My biggest area of concern is um Deshaun Watson being able to extend the pocket, extend time behind the line of scrimmage, because if he creates fatigue within the defensive pass rush, you're taking away one of the most important elements away from the Bears' defense to be successful as a team. So to me, if they're throwing it to the running back out of the backfield, you can limit the success of those yards. I don't want the big strike plays downtown after Deshaun Watson scrambles behind the line of scrimmage for six or seven seconds in the last couple weeks. We've seen how haunting a three-man rush with no pressure has been from Aaron Rodgers to Matthew Stafford. So when you're talking about rushing Deshaun Watson, you better make you better compromise him, you know, and make him get the ball out of his hands. Yeah, doesn't throw many interceptions. Uh, he does get sacked, but he doesn't throw many interceptions. Just six all year. Hadn't won, didn't one since uh, week six. Uh, but it was stripped out of the hands, I think, of Brandon Cooks. Otherwise, he would have had that streak continue. Uh, but uh, overall, in terms of what they're doing and what they've done against uh, some really good teams, uh, is this a better 4-8 and eight team than it looks? Oh, yeah. Like, like Seth mentioned, you go look at the record of the opponents that they've lost games to, I think every one of them has a winning record. So, you know, they've lost against some quality opponents. And, you know, there's, there's a tremendous amount of respect for the athleticism that's, you know, in the quarterback position today. And Deshaun Watson is a heck of an athlete. So, you know, maybe that's where the responsibility falls on the Bears' offense. You better be a time-consumption offense that results in, in touchdowns, and then you put a little bit more stress on the offense of the Houston Texans, but it's really about time of possession of the Bears' offense. What the heck's going to happen in this third quarter? 14 points all year. I mean, I went back some 25 years, and granted, there's still four games left, but uh, you just don't see that kind of number, you know, in the third quarter. Right. I mean, to me, I, I would be willing to scratch every other element of practice other than kind of only making it have one hmm. one day that's only um, that's committed to coming out of the locker room. And I, you know, kind of make up these falses, you know, where I keep people in meetings and I have them come out. Boom. We have third hmm. quarter. I have a script in the third quarter. I have plays that I practice. And, you know, you, you kind of like I said, you try to create an atmosphere for at least one day, that's all you think about. Yeah, I, I believe it. And I'm, I'm certain they've scripted some of it. I mean, you would think. They went up-tempo last week. It didn't, it didn't, it didn't jive. It didn't work. Uh, I, I heard, I think, my Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan scripts the first eight plays of the second half. I mean, th there's no doubt that they do some of well, that. We have, we have less than 30 seconds. Go okay, ahead. you can prepare during the week to script your first plays, but you don't know the adjustments they're going to make defensively right. in that halftime. All right, Tom, we're out of time. 
Thursday Night Football coming up here on The Score. Thanks to all our guests. Thanks to Mike Rankin and everybody at home for listening. For Tom Thayer, I'm Jeff Joniak. We'll talk to you on the radio Sunday from Soldier Field, 9 a.m. pregame, noon kickoff. This is news. I almost said the wrong thing there. I almost said my, my, my real station that I work at. But this is Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Good night, everybody. Thanks for listening to this Chicago Bears Network presentation of Bears All Access. Podcasts are available on ChicagoBears.com and on iTunes or download the official Bears mobile app. Bears All Access has been brought to you by IGS Energy and sponsored by Miller Lite.